0: This great good news is that Jesus Christ, having come to earth, taken on the sin of the whole world, bled and died, and rose again, has now become for us the sacrifice once and for all, for all sin. As you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you read about the ministry of Jesus, God, who came born on the earth as a little baby, fully God, fully man, who lived a sinless life. And he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of of the enemy. And he taught us about the Father. One of the things I love as I read about Jesus is you can read when he was just about to feed the 5,000 or raise Lazarus from the dead or when he, he went to pray that beautiful prayer in John 17 about us being one. As every time he would go to pray, we read about him lifting his eyes to heaven. Jesus raising his eyes to heaven or looking at, looking at heaven or lifting his eyes, raising his eyes. You see it over and over again. Stephen did that, too, when they were accusing him and getting ready to, to um, execute him, slandering him and yelling abuse at him, gnashing their teeth at him. The Bible says, looking into heaven, he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. The Bible records that as he was being persecuted, as he was being, having these people gnashing their teeth at him, says his face shone like that of an angel. Why? Because he was looking at the one who loved him. Loved him more than life with a love that passes human understanding. It's a supernatural, I have found the one who loves me more than life. I have found the strength of my life. I have found peace that passes human understanding that's not based on circumstances, that's not reactionary to what's going on around me, but is based on a connection that nothing and nobody can take away. And Jesus modeled this over and over again. It's beautiful as you read the life of Jesus. Study his relationship with the Father. The the disciples were actually so curious about it. They would see him pray and they'd never seen anything like it. To the point that they said teach us to pray because he didn't pray like they did he didn't just pray words and you know they prayed the psalms they prayed the word of god the word of god's powerful but if you don't know who you're talking to if you don't have a connection it doesn't have any power any strength for you and jesus he would pray differently he would lift his eyes to heaven and it looked like he was he knew who he was talking to of course he did the bible says he only did what he saw the father doing and he said what he heard the father saying he had a relationship and it, when they said teach us how you do this how do you you talk to god teach us how to pray and he said all right well when you pray pray like this our father In other words, he was saying, that relationship you see me having with him, you now are invited into that same relationship. When you lift up your eyes to him, you can say with confidence, not just Jesus' father, but our father. Because of Jesus, because he came, he died and rose again, we have the confidence now anyone who puts their faith in him, believes in him, receives his mercy, his forgiveness, his grace, becomes a co-heir with Christ, able to come boldly to the throne of grace and address the Father and talk to him. Not as a distant out there if you're there, if you're real, but an actual I know you hear me. Jesus would say that when he was standing outside the tomb of Lazarus. He said, lifting his eyes to heaven, he'd say, I know you hear me. It's for their sake that I'm saying this. Basically, I'm saying this out loud for their sake so they know they also can have a connection. So when you pray, pray, our Father who is in heaven. You know how to do that. Our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us to stay our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Then he says here in Matthew 28, verse 19, "Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this: I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hooray, The great good news. This great good news is that Jesus Christ, having come to earth, taken on the sin of the whole world, bled and died and rose again, has now become for us the sacrifice once and for all, for all sin, our Savior, our Redeemer. And now he says, take the good news that I have forgiven them That I I am the Savior. Go and tell the whole world and tell them that I am the way, the truth, and the life. That no man comes to the Father but by me. But I tell you, because of him, we can come to the Father just like he did. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Paul says this, the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and it's in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hooray. That's what you say. Hooray. I'll do it again. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hooray. That's called worship. What you just heard there. It's a response. To the good news. Hallelujah. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. Mic drop. <laughs> by believing in your heart, you've been made right with God. Other religions would tell you, you've got to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this, and, this. and maybe one day you'll get there. But Jesus comes with a whole new message. For it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah, that's really good. That's happy news. Yay! Yay. John 3.16, you know this. But I, I'm reading it in the New Living here. It's nice for a change. I normally read the New King James. It's, it's, New Living's good. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Now, that's happy news. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, to judge the world. He came into the world to save the world. Ephesians chapter 2, this is what I was listening to today as I was doing my hair. Hallelujah. God saved you by his grace, verse 8, when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation's not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Oh, turn to your neighbor and say, You are a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. Hallelujah. A Renoir, Rembrandt, you are a ma- better than God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. We are saved by grace through faith. It's not something we can boast about. God Himself puts in our hearts faith to receive the grace of God that whoever would call on the name of the Lord believe that Jesus Christ came to take away our sin, that he stands offering us access to the Father without fear, without judgment, without condemnation, forgiveness for sin, freedom, eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. But where does this faith come from? And people think, well, you know, I wish I had faith. Sometimes we think of faith as this huge, big thing that you've got to have some sort of angelic appearance or something's got to happen. Faith is something that he puts in our hearts. I'm going to read um, a little bit here from Psalm 139. Oh, Lord, you've examined my heart and know everything about me. This is David writing this psalm. You know, when I sit down or stand up, You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home and know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. It's a bit like... Francis Thompson's Hound of Heaven. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. David had an awareness of God. And he had a connection with God. When he was In the worst and the darkest moments when armies were surrounding him, when his closest friends were against him, we read about David strengthening himself in the Lord, his God, because he had a connection. He knew who he was talking to. And God wants every one of us to be able to have that same connection, to know who we're talking to. I remember when I was probably twelve years old, I went on a youth camp, and I believed in God. Praise the Lord! I'd been raised in Sunday school; Mum had taught me all the songs, and praise the Lord for a godly upbringing. Hey, send your kids to Sunday school. Yeah, praise the Lord. It's a good thing. Train up a child in the way that they shall go, and when they are old, they'll not depart from it. Hallelujah. But I knew, so I believed in God. But I. I just got honest with God while everyone was lifting their hands like we were today, worshipping God. I got honest with him. I said, Lord, I believe in you. It's very hard to sing to somebody I can't see and I don't know. Help. You know, the Bible says, if you seek me, I will be found by you. If you seek me with all your heart. You know, right there in the middle of worship, Somehow, suddenly, I knew. "Ha. Huh. Ha, huh. I know who I'm talking to. Mum said from that day I, I was different. They're right, Mum. She can testify. She said, you were different from that day. I came home different because I found him. Help was all it took. An honest prayer in my heart. Help, help help. Still my best prayer, because it's an honest prayer. It's not a prayer that says, oh, listen that, and it is all religious. We read about a Pharisee and a tax collector both going to pray, and Jesus was watching. And he said, who do you think went away actually having made the connection? It wasn't the Pharisee that was there boasting about how great he was and speaking all the scripture. It was the tax collector that said, Have mercy on me. I've done a lot of wrong. Forgive me. But an honest prayer that believed that God would. Now, Deep down, I think most of us know that God is there. I remember even as a little child in primary school, I remember one day after school, I think I probably had gymnastics or something, and and I was out in the playground, and nobody was around, and I was just jumping on the tunnels, they had um, concrete tunnels in the playground. I don't think you'd even be allowed to do that these days, unless you had a harness. But I was having the best time just singing and jumping on the tunnels. And, and I remember being acutely aware of the presence of God, even though I I hadn't had that moment that I'd found him. I knew as a child I, I, I was aware of something special. That I was aware. You know, I think deep down a lot of us have an awareness, if we really get honest, that there is a God. The good news is that this God loves us. That he loves us in fact more than we could possibly understand it said the scripture tells us in ephesians that the love he has for us is so high it's so wide it's so deep that we can't physically emotionally or mentally process it it's beyond human comprehension but he does say i pray that the holy spirit will give you strength to be able to to grasp it To be able to comprehend it. This love that is not like human love. Human love, we have this sort of negative bias that that love is somehow contractual and earned. If you're a nice person, I'll like you. Or if you be good to me, you give me what I need. Or you, you behave a certain way, I will love you. If not, I will withhold. Sometimes we put that then on God and assume that God must be like that, but he's so much better than we are. He's so much kinder than we could ever understand. And he is so patient. He's so good while there's breath in our bodies, he's there. But the Bible actually says that all of creation declares the glory of God. So that is, and you see the sunset, there's some pretty good sunsets this time of year, isn't there? Beautiful sunsets. You see the stars at nighttime. Or if you're one of those rare people who see the sunrise, I'm told they're beautiful. (laughs) They declare the glory of God in this. God is taking every opportunity to get your attention and say, I love you. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. Open your heart to me. I want to have relationship with you. For this reason, the Son of God came, to reconcile us back to the Father so that we could walk and talk with him in the cool of the evening, that we could have a genuine relationship that wasn't religious, that wasn't um, just a form, but was an actual, real, dynamic connection. This is the good news of the gospel. He loves us. He gave his life to be a sacrifice for us. He conquered sin and death and he now offers us eternal life. Wow. 1 John 4:13 says this. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. This is what happens when you believe his spirit comes into you and makes you alive testifies on the inside. When I said help, I believe God's spirit came into my life and helped me know him. Hallelujah. His spirit comes in and we have seen and testified that the father has sent the son as the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. it's wonderful and I don't care if you think I'm mad because it's better than life. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. That he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. What this is saying is that this is the good news. If you receive Jesus as your Lord and as your saviour, you don't have to be afraid when you die that you're going to be punished for your sin. Because Christ took on the sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And if you will believe in him, he will rec- you will receive his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. And he will not remember your sin anymore. It doesn't seem fair. Our sense of justice is you need to pay for your sin. The truth is nobody can. Only Jesus was qualified to do that. That's why it takes humility to receive the grace of God. It takes faith. John eleven twenty five says, as Jesus was speaking to Martha, he says, I am the rec- resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And he said to her, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Seek me and I will be found by you when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. God is, God is reaching out. He is Trying to get your attention. He wants you to know, I love you. Now, as we think about that, people think, well, how, you know, I don't know. I believe, but I don't want to give up. I don't want to have to give everything up. We don't understand that if you will believe in him, he will give you grace to become a new person who doesn't want to do bad things anymore. But we get the idea, I've got to get my life sorted out before I do that. And it's this horrible treadmill of works. See, the scripture tells us that we can't do it that way. Otherwise, you could boast about how you did it. By grace, we are saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. It just takes us saying, Lord, help. And when when he, as we receive him by faith, he'll come into our lives and... He'll change your heart. Your your taste will change. You'll, You'll want to do things that are good and honest and true. You'll want to live differently. And he'll help you. He'll teach you. He'll show you. And if you sin, he says, he is faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll help you. I will never leave you. I will be with you even to the end of the age. This is like the best news ever. It's called the good news of the gospel. But we complicate it, we make it so difficult, we try and think, well, hang on, this is a bit, this is a bit irresponsibly easy. We should, we should add all these other things. When in fact, God's just saying, I, wish, I, I, I long for you to humble yourself and acknowledge that you can't do it on your own. But if you will call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. If you'll acknowledge, I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. I need him. I want to receive him as Lord and Savior. The Bible says, you will be saved. Hallelujah. This is the good news of the gospel. How great are his thoughts towards us. They cannot be numbered. He thinks about us all the time. When I wake up, he's still there. Even to the end of the age, I will be with you. Ah, fondest, blindest, weakest, I am he whom thou seekest. He is looking and longing for us to recognize that within each one of us, deep in our hearts, there is a cry to know him. And that cry isn't going to lead you into bondage. It's going to lead you into eternal life, abundant life, where instead of having God as a concept out there, you become a new creation, Him in you and you in Him, and you'll never walk alone. This is the message of the gospel that God's asked us to take out to all the world, to tell them the good news, Jesus Christ is the saviour of the world. If you'll open your heart, he will come in and he will give you eternal life. Right now, we're going to pray and then we're going to get ready to take communion together. But Father, we want to say thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your salvation. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that you've put within each one Lord, a desire to know you. And Father, I ask that you would help us, Lord, as people are watching online. Welcome to my brother and his wife watching in Vietnam and everyone watching around the world. Everyone here, Father, I'm asking that you'd help us all to become aware of you, that you're with us when we lie down, when we get up. Lord, in the darkest night, you are there. And Lord, we ask that you'd have mercy on us. We ask, Lord, that you forgive us for ignoring you. But Lord, we come and we say, Lord, you, you are God. We believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world, that he died and rose again. And Lord, we want to come and receive your grace. Three scriptures on forgiveness and letting go. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. We meet every month with our monthly partners, and we prophesy, we pray together, and we talk about the latest things the Lord is doing all over the earth. I'd love to invite you to become a monthly partner with us. Help us take the gospel around the world and join us for these precious mentoring sessions.